Are you ready for the most informative, well-thought-out hockey podcast on the internet? You are? Sorry. It's just Crown Conversations with your hosts, Robin P. and James Nicholson. Three, two, <laughs> trade deadline primer, go! <laughs> James, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Robin. Um, I've, I've been away for a little while. I have gone on a spiritual journey through the brush. <laughs> I have learned a lot about myself. And I am very pleased to tell you that I like bagels with just cream cheese on them. I don't need anything else. So you're not a cream cheese and locks kind of guy, huh? Nope. Nope. Don't need the locks. Don't need the capers. Red onion if I'm feeling very zesty that day. Ooh. But, you know, I just cream cheese it up and I will be a content <laughs> man. Well, I'm sure your wife appreciates your simplicity. <laughs> yes. That came um, out man, wrong, but... but... Hey, speaking of, of simplicity... Um, what do you feel about the potential trade deadline philosophy that Rob Blake will have? Honestly, simple is better for this team. And we got some huge, huge news this afternoon. Actually, this morning, um, the biggest trade deadline acquisition that they could make. Alex Edler is back in the lineup. Just pray to God that, you know, his um, 30 plus year old bones hold up for just a little bit longer and I know that like being like oh my god 30 so old no it's just that hockey and pro sports like as soon as you hit like 25 you're an old man or old person I should say yeah no it's it's true there is <sighs> time comes for all of us <laughs> uh, you know unless you're I don't know Ichiro that guy's still playing baseball um anyways yeah, no, I, I'm i so excited to have Edler back in the lineup to see some stability on the back end, especially with every defenseman that the Kings have being hurt right now. <laughs> um, I mean, we've seen some trades. We're recording this on Thursday, St. Patrick's Day. We've seen the Ben Sherratt trade to uh, Florida, mm -hmm. which was, a, I mean, oh my gosh, did the Canadians ever fleece Florida for that one? <laughs> And we've seen Cali Arncroke go from Seattle to Calgary, which feels like a good fit. But, like, how many Cali Arncrokes do the Flames already have on their roster? All of um, them. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's a good fit. I mean, if I was to guess at if a Flame player is available for trade, maybe Sean Monaghan. He's had, a you know, a couple of bad years, you know. He's an old person at 25-ish years old, uh, according to Robin's standards. And I he's been playing a lot of the year in the bottom six, um, which is weird because it feels like just a short time ago we were watching him going, my gosh, he's the next Kopitar. Um, but, yeah, that, I mean, I don't think Monaghan's going to the Kings I'm just throwing it out there that maybe he's available. I think it would be interesting because um, it felt like that guy, he everything about him just said Calgary Flame for life, you know? You know, Johnny Gaudreau's name has also been in the trade rumors, but it's interesting how the team has really come alive under Sutter and kind of comparing and contrasting. I think obviously the Flames are a little bit more talented than the 2012 or the 2014 Kings, and they're built with very different philosophies. So it's interesting to kind of see how Sutter has, I'll say, kind of utilized his weapons on that team and made them into a very productive squad. So it's, do, do Gaudreau or do Monaghan get moved in the next couple of years? Do, does Monaghan get moved at the deadline? I feel like Calgary would be more likely to stand pat, at least on Monaghan, because he's still useful and productive in their bottom six. And it's kind of like when we were have when we had Mike Richards in the bottom six, and we were talking about that, like who couldn't use Mike Richards in the bottom six? Man, that's a great comparison. Oh my gosh, yeah. 
And like you know, the because they have to resign Kachuk and Goudreau after this year. So I think that's why they're like, oh, we should, you know, maybe they'll ship out Monahan at the deadline. They could do that at the draft easily as well. Um, I don't know if there is a rush to trade Sean Monahan out of town. Because like you said, who wouldn't want to have Sean Monahan in their bottom six? Oh my gosh. Yeah, like if your your team is so deep that you're rolling Sean Monahan on the third line and he's still moderately productive and it looks like your team is primed for a for at the very least a deep cup run with a pedigreed coach i don't see the need to really trade anybody unless they get a montreal-esque return for him yeah i don't think that's happening um you know but whatever man stranger things have happened okay last night it looks like he played on the second line um, between Mangiapane and Toffoli. And then Michael Backlund. Michael Backlund's your third-line center with Blake Coleman and Trevor Lewis. That is the most Sutter third line I could possibly <laughs> think of. Dear goodness. My, <laughs> no wonder he came out of retirement to coach that team. That truly is the most Daryl Sutter line I've ever seen on paper. <laughs> The Flames were a really good team even before he took over, and then they traded for Tyler Toffoli, and then, of course, Tyler Toffoli's thriving. Milan Lucic looks good on their roster? Like He has a role. He has a role. He doesn't need to be the guy the way that they needed him to be the guy to play with McDavid in Edmonton. He's just, hey, here's what we expect you to do. You're on the fourth line. Get greasy goals. Fight some guys who piss us off and Lucic truly is a great teammate like he's a guy who loves to like be with the guys in the room um I mean it was only like one year he was with the Kings and he was in like Tanner Pearson and Tyler Toffoli's weddings yeah like you know he he really is that kind of team first guy um well rumor has it that um, he was all set to take a steep discount and sign with the Kings. Like, Kopitar had talked him into staying because I guess the whole team loved him, but Dean Lombardi kind of yanked his chain around a little bit too much, so he left. That's the rumor. Who knows what the truth is, though? Who knows? I mean, because they were waving Matt Green to be able to fit Lucic under the cap, and then Edmonton, I mean you know, opened up Fort Knox for him essentially. And Wayne Gretzky gave him a call. I mean, how do you, that's a hard one to say no to, but yeah, I I mean. The Kings just overall weren't a good fit for Lucic in the way that they were trending. Like 2014 was kind of a miracle year because it just so happened that their heart and soul guy, Justin Williams stepped up so big in the playoffs and came through so clutch so many times it also happened that they got lucky with a few calls that went their way in the stanley cup final you know dwight king sitting in henrik lundquist's lap like we all wanted to do but you know it 2014 was their miracle year the roster just especially with the way the cap was it their roster was trending in the wrong direction to be able to sustain the kind of success that they needed to get back to the playoffs. And and in my personal opinion, Dean Lombardi was still kind of hanging on to his 2012 ideals. Well, yeah, because, I mean, they had worked, you know, they had won, you know, two cups in three years. They'd been to the Western Conference final in three straight years. Maybe things look different if, you know, Duncan Keith is suspended for as long as he should have been when he knocked out Jeff Carter's teeth. Um... But, uh, I mean, I'm not going to say the Lucic trade was the nail in the coffin for that era of the Kings. It more felt like the the Ben Bishop trade, you know, when they traded away a second-round pick and Eric Chernak, who has been, I mean, great as a tough, rugged, left-handed defenseman for Tampa Bay, which is the thing that the Kings are sorely missing (laughs) at the moment. Um, Really quick, I'm seeing online here ahead of the trade deadline – Nick Paul from Ottawa 
might be available. And Nick Paul, for me, is an interesting guy because he is that kind of jack of all trades. Um, he plays hard. He's smart. You can play him in any situation. He's not going to score a ton of points. Uh, do you already kind of feel like the Kings have enough of those guys? <laughs> if you're asking that question, I feel like you know the answer. Yeah, I, I you know, it, it's Ryan's, Ryan Dunn's, uh, the not dead Ryan Dunn's thing of the Kings have too many fourth liners and only one fourth line. It's just, you know, you look at, at Nick Paul and, you know, he's a guy who oftentimes wears the A in Ottawa. He is a, you know, I feel like a good leadership guy and, you know, he's only 26, you know, can play center, you know, maybe a guy on the left side. I don't know. He's I, a young I, Dustin Brown. That's what I see I mean, him yeah, as. Yeah, uh, kind of. I mean... I don't. I mean, if you wanted to go that that route, they already have that in on their roster currently. I mean, they have that with Alex Ayafalo, and I don't want to. I don't mean to lump them together because I feel like Ayafalo is more talented than Nicholas Paul. But you know, they have Ayafalo, they have Grundstrom, they have Kempe, they have Brendan freaking Lemieux. Like mm-hmm. they have all these sort of nitty gritty. Like, freaking, they have Blake Lazat for that. I mean, mm-hmm. do they need another one? Good point. Good point. I'm, yeah, you're right. I mean, I don't know. I'm also seeing, looking at the athletic and just trying to divine meaning from <laughs> tweets and stuff, that maybe Arizona is not going to be able to trade Chikrin at the deadline, you know, because he has an injury. It does not look like it's a long-term de- injury, but I mean, they are still asking a whole heck of a lot for Jacob Chikrin from Arizona. So <laughs> I mean, if you saw what Ben Sherratt got, then why would oh. you not ask for the moon? Like, I'd be oh. like, give me two seconds and a top prospect for Chikrin, or you know, a, a first, a second, and and a top prospect for Chikrin. Like, I mean, Sherratt's okay. He's obviously have a couple of down years with Montreal, who, admittedly, they're not that good right now, and and they they're kind of looking Sherratt at. Sherratt is the kind of defenseman I know you hate specifically. <laughs> like you are the one who's just like get this guy out of the game. <laughs> like he he makes hockey ugly to watch. <laughs> yeah, but he's moderately effective apparently. I don't know about that, but I like. If I'm the GM of a team, I don't, especially if I'm the GM of the Florida Panthers, I don't look at Ben Trott and go, my team just got better. You know, I mean. But he's quote unquote tough to play against. That's what well, you so need. Well, so is Brandon Montour. <laughs> so is Radko Gudis. You know, like, mm-hmm. they have plenty of guys who are already tough to play against. Unless you just want a guy who. I mean, he can play left side and right side, I guess. I, I feel yeah. like they're trying to get tougher. They want to have a tough mentality, and I mean literally a tough mentality. I mean, you already have Patrick Hornquist and Radko Gudis. Yeah, How they got a couple of dirty And Nolachari. Nolachari, to me, like, that is a man who is just like, tie me to a wrecking ball and let me go. <laughs> Like, when he was with Boston, he was playing in the cup final with a broken sternum. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, they're tough already. <laughs> Nolachari is not that tough. Priest Bergeron played with a hole in his lung. The least he can do is play with a hole in his sternum. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> that. Yes, very good. Very good. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, I Okay, and I said this to Sarah, but I don't feel like where the Kings are at right now, and especially in terms of being competitive in the playoffs, I don't think what they're looking for, they're going to be able to get through the trade, or through a trade, at least at this particular deadline. 
over the summer, mm-hmm. things are always more likely to shift and you may not have to pay through the nose for a potential rental or even overpay for a guy with one or two years left on his contract. You might be able to kind of swing things somewhere around the draft. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Man, I, I absolutely agree with you. Um, you know, I, I I feel like if there's anything, you know, that the Kings do, and I really hate to say this, but, you know, for me, the, the trade that makes the most sense is moving Sean Walker's contract. He's on LTIR. That's an automatic cap relief. For somebody like Toronto or Pittsburgh, uh, you know, good teams who are trying to get better, who are tied up against the cap, um, they need defensemen, especially young defensemen with term. Um, and as much as I hate to say it, like, I don't know if there's a role for Sean Walker next year when he recovers from this ACL surgery, um, which is a shame because I think he's he's a good hockey player, but man. How does he compete against, you know, Jersey or Jordan Spence? Matt Roy and Drew Doughty aren't going anywhere on the right side. Yeah, I mean, they have... Rob Blake in the front office have a lot of decisions, and I don't envy them. This is probably going to be one of the hardest deadlines and off-seasons this team will have had to have faced in probably about a decade. Um, yeah. Oh, and don't forget, Brant Clark turns pro likely mm-hmm. next year. You still have Helga Granz and Brock Faber in the pipeline. All right, shot defenseman. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing: like we saw through injury, people get a lot of opportunity, and it's a little bit unfortunate for Sean Walker that he's going to have to be squeezed out. But mm-hmm. I mean. Jersey, like you said, stepped up. Bjornfoot has been really good this year. He's a young lefty. Um, I know Jersey play, plays right side, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, Jordan Spence in his first pro year having an outstanding season. He was fantastic in mm-hmm. Ontario. He somehow looks comfortable in the NHL. And I think... He has term left on his contract, so I feel like they're probably going to try and start him in Ontario next year, depending mm-hmm. on how um, camp goes next next year. And it's a little bit too early to talk about what they're going to do with Spence, especially because they can probably just bury him back in Ontario and, and not feel like they're going to rush his um, development unless, again, he forces the issue. But, I mean... Jacob Moverar is fine. He's only 23 compared to Sean Walker, who's 27. He's going to be 28 Man, I loved his game against Colorado. I thought he had such a good game against Colorado. Like, he, he had great gap control. He stood up at smart spots, was good with his stick. I mean, it, he is not, you know, the, the knock on him has always been his speed. You know, I, and... Uh, if I was to describe Robin P style hockey, <laughs> it's everyone's fast. Go. And <laughs> you know, it, just because you don't have speed doesn't mean you can't be effective, especially if you're paired with somebody who does have the speed. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I, I like him. I, I, there was a lot to like, I don't know if he's the fix on the left side at the moment. Um, I think if the Kings want, that 25 and under defenseman left side with NHL experience. I mean, I don't know if he is the fix this year, but I mean, maybe Travis Dermott from Toronto, Um, the Kings and, you know, Kyle Dubas and Toronto obviously have a relationship. We've made lots of trades with them. Most notably Jake Muzzin and Kyle Clifford, Jack Campbell. Um, they want to move on from Dermot. They need cap space. For me, that's just a, hey, what if? Um, I don't really know. Um, I would love to see Ivan Provorov, but who 
knows what the Philadelphia Flyers are doing. <laughs> Nobody knows. Nobody. Why do? Why is Chuck Chuck Fletcher allowed to be a GM? <laughs> he is so good at wasting owners' money and getting mediocrity in return. Why does this man have a job? <laughs> I don't know, but I wish I had it because I am no sick. kidding. <laughs> better <laughs> it's like dom's tweet from a few years ago where he said an owner can pay me a million dollars and all i'll have to do is five times a year just say don't do that <laughs> like i feel like <laughs> feels relevant yeah no it's it's true and my goodness just and you know lombardi is a advisor there and i mean they they gave Rasmus Ristolainen, I think, an absurd contract. Um, they've taken Provorov off the power play. He's struggling this year, but everyone has struggled with Philadelphia. No one's having a good year, and yet they view it as an apparition, that this is just a one-off weird thing, and they'll be back next year. Don't you worry. And I, I do not buy that for a second. It's um, remarkable that Ghost Bear managed to have a resurgence this year when he's not playing in Philadelphia and the Coyotes are not good. <laughs> uh, yeah, had to make room for Keith Yandel. Anyway, back to the defense. Um, my thought is that Mogarar is still young. I mean, he's 23. He'll be 24 at the end of August. So I feel like if they tell him to focus on his skating over the summer like they did with Tanner Pearson and Tyler Toffoli, he'll be fine. He's young. He's 23 and a half. He'll be 24 this summer. I don't think they should give up on him. They also have done weird things with his career. Like, at 20, he came over... Oh, sorry, not 20, because he's 23 now. At 21, he came over to the U.S. and sat for a year. He didn't play, and he was a healthy scratch. He played, like, five games. I, have yeah. n I had no idea what they were doing with him in Ontario, other than you learn by osmosis in the press box. Um, and then he started off the year in Ontario. He's done fine in Ontario. He's... And I think he's getting better as time mm -hmm. goes on and and he's getting more acquainted and accustomed to playing in the NHL. And this is what happens. You see it happen because if you give people a chance, it's kind of weird how they're able to improve. Isn't that weird, James? Yeah. Well, he. I'm looking at his stats. He got into 26 games last year um, and on a very... Uh, we'll call it porous back end for Ontario last year. He was still a plus two, which is mind boggling. He had 15 points in 26 games. How this year in 30 games, he has 10 points. That's more of what we expect. Um, but I mean, he's a guy who, you know, he played junior in the OHL and then went back to Sweden and he played in the SHL mm -hmm. and he won a bunch of, I think, like, two or three straight championships with Frolunda. Mm -hmm. um, he was a key guy in Frolunda. They loved yeah. him in the SHL. His coach couldn't stop raving about him, talking about how close he was to being NHL-ready. Like, mm -hmm. they felt that he was on the cusp when he was 20 years old. Oh, yeah. And then yeah, and he came over, and then nothing happened. <laughs> like, well, literally... I, they I just always remembered them talking about he might be the smartest guy that you know in the pipeline his <laughs> hockey sense is is mm -hmm. kind of unmatched and you know when i look at at that i am encouraged because i don't know if if when i look at the king's young blue liners when i look at a guy like jersey or spence man sometimes they they really freak you out in the defensive zone. Um, especially Jer Jersey wants to make something incredible happen every time he touches the puck. And that's fun to watch for sure. But you just wonder if it's necessary. It's not necessary every time. That's for sure. Um, he'll calm down. He's, he's gotten better about that over mm -hmm. as, as he's played. 
Um, but I mean, there's a reason why he has stayed up and it, in, in, in spite of all the injuries, like even when the Kings were struggling at Ford earlier this year, um, he, and, and then, you know, Sean Walker went down, like, um, a couple of the guys on Ford, they kind of went up and down, up and down. Dursey is the only one who has managed to stay. He got the call up over Austin Strand, which is interesting because last year we thought it was going to be Dursey who got the call up over Strand. Um, instead, it was mm-hmm. Strand who got called up. Dursey, I feel like, does have a good hockey sense, at least when it comes to making a play. Although sometimes mm-hmm. he tries to make too much happen. And it's kind of like when Drew Doughty was a lot younger and Doughty always wanted to be the guy. I feel like I see a lot of spades of Doughty and Dursey. Oh, I could absolutely see that. And, and, I mean, Dursey is a blast to watch on the power play. There might be a pun in there. Um, but... There is something so. It's hard with so many Kings being injured right now, you know, at midway through March, because now you're just kind of hoping, oh man, I this is where you kind of want them to be hitting their stride, especially with a tough schedule uh, down the stretch, heading into the playoffs. But you know, if the young guys can come up, get experience, and help us tread water while guys get healthy. That's pretty encouraging mm-hmm. for heading into next year. And like I said earlier, it does force some really tough decisions for the front office. And that's kind of a good problem to have. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of think the more experience Movarar gets, especially playing the North American pro game, the better he's going to be. So I wish they would give him a really long look. And I wish that they would give him also a long leash because, um, you know, if you want to talk like hockey smarts, that's what you want. Maybe he's not the fastest guy, but maybe he can be eventually your kind of Willie Mitchell replacement in that he's got that great hockey sense. Or he could be your Edler because Edler is 37, I think. Oh, he's 35. Sorry. Sorry, Edler. I did not mean to age you up two years. Um, I mean, so eventually he could be the Edler replacement because we talked earlier in the season about how good Edler is at being in the right spot. He's not the fastest guy. He's not the flashiest guy, but he's the guy that you want to settle things down, especially when things are getting really crazy in your own zone. And I think that's one of the areas that the Kings have really struggled with this year is that when they get under pressure in their own zone, the inexperience on the blue line shows. So if if you can get a guy like Movarar, and like Edler, and you can get them to kind of play well and play consistency consistently, I think that would be like kind of your best option the long term. Mm-hmm. You're making be... good points, and I can't fight you <laughs> on it. He could be a really good sixth defenseman. He doesn't have yeah. to be the fastest guy. He could probably be someone that you throw out on your PK2, and their PK has struggled this year holy cow it is so bad um maybe he doesn't get pp time that's fine but Mm -hmm. at some point you still need defense and i know that's kind of weird hearing me say that because i'm like they need finishers but they still also need somebody to like stop the puck yeah no and, and you know i man i watching the colorado game i was so impressed with Movarar. Um, Austin Strand, who I I really have a soft spot in my heart for. Man, he it, it looked like he was a little bit overmatched out there. And again, he's playing Colorado. Like, yeah. good luck, kid. <laughs> good luck, everyone. <laughs> no kidding. And you know, Rantanen's pass on the first goal from the goal line. Um, you know, Strand probably should have had that covered. He probably should have been able to take that away didn't uh it's just what are you gonna do it's um it's uh (laughs) like you you said these are these are learning moments and mm -hmm. um they're gonna make mistakes because they're young and inexperienced and you know we've seen dowdy make stupid mistakes as well so um Mm -hmm. it's just what are you gonna do like you said you, you have to learn from your mistakes and 
Colorado is a team that can beat you into the ground with how good they are. Man, not only is there just an insane amount of skill and they are so fast, they are so physical. I mean, Nathan McKinnon is is the man. He he's a juggernaut. I mean, I I don't remember what poor soul it was on the Kings, but he absolutely flattened them. And you know, you have Nazem Kadri, who sure did go down really easy. <laughs> um, you know, when I thought Sean Jersey made a very good hockey play against him, and they called it interference. Nazem Kadri um, go down. Uh, well, he's not Jamie Ben. <laughs> you know, I it's just uh, you know, the Kings lost 3 nothing early on in the game. You know, there's a couple of uh pucks that hit the post that saved quick. Um saved the defense really. But you know, after that, the Kings really did calm down and, and they played a good game. Kopitar really lost his cool on a shorthanded breakaway. I think he felt that Makar had interfered with him and that there should have been a penalty call. Makar did such a good job of leaning on him and making sure that the hand that was shielded from view was, you know, grabbing at Kopitar's hip. Like, it, it's just that was such a savvy, good defensive move by Kale Makar. Well, I'm not even I mean, mad, it's but, a good, like, cheat i'll say that yeah, oh, absolutely but like i mean kopitar we see him i mean he came off the ice and threw a stick through a glove you know that then on the replay you see him you know throw his water bottle down the tunnel he was mad mad um but you know that's kind of the passion and the fire that we haven't seen from him all year and i'm not trying to say like quiet leadership is bad or anything I, i'm obviously not in the room but at some point, you kind of want oh. to see, you want to see him get mad. I'm Show all some for emotion. It. Like I, I love it. Like especially somebody like you know Nate McKinnon this year has gotten way mad. <laughs> he's been crazy um, in terms of just like you know he's had some hits. What in all honesty deserve to be suspended for? Um, mm-hmm. We've seen him yelling at guys. We've seen. Someone like Austin Matthews get really chippy and yell and be vocal this year, who is currently serving a suspension at the time of this recording. Um, please, Kopitar, don't get suspended. Um, but I think the point I'm trying to make is this is the time of year where you're 60-ish games into the year. It's been a long season. Things aren't quite going right. Frustration is warranted at yep. this point. And... You know, sometimes, you know, I, I remember Justin Williams with the Kings. He would have these really long stretches where he couldn't buy a point. You know, and, and Kopitar is there right now. And Justin Williams, I remember him saying, like, yeah, you kind of have to do everything against your instincts and just let the points come to you because, God, you just want to make the points happen. And that's the frustrating thing is that sometimes you just can't quite make them happen. And yeah, Todd McClellan had a really interesting thing to say about that. I mean, it was a very Mm -hmm. lengthy quote. I'm not going to read it all. If you're interested, fans, friends, listeners, go check it out on LA Kings Insider. But essentially what it boils down to is that he said one of the reasons why he kind of keeps fiddling with the lines, but kind of not fiddling with the lines is very much in the opposite vein of what Sutter does. He very thoughtfully said that, okay, well, if you try to mess with one line just to get these three guys going, now what happens with your other three lines? If you mess that up, like, because, you know, Deneau and Moore have an incredible chemistry going this year. It was mm-hmm. Deneau, Moore, and Arvidsson, but unfortunately Arvidsson got hurt. But, I mean, so if you split up these lines just to try and get this going, it may blow up in your face. It may hurt everybody else. And, you know... The champagne line, as Jim Fox likes to call them, they're starting to look really good. I think they're kind of starting to hit their stride. Quinton Byfield is looking a little bit more confident. I wish he'd be a little bit more selfish with the puck and shoot a little more as opposed to like being a passer, kind of like Kopitar. But, mm-hmm. I mean, he's got a point when he says basically, look, 
these guys all have enough experience now and they all have enough talent that eventually they're gonna figure out how to work themselves out of a rut and nothing is guaranteed so at the very least he feels that keeping his other three lines together gives him a better shot at producing offense than splitting up Kopitar, Kempe, and Ayafalo. And I was like, that's, that's fair. I mean, it, it's definitely different than what we experienced under Sutter, where Sutter was like, okay, you haven't been productive for two games. Let me hit the line blender. Uh, you sucked in that game. Hit the line blender. I don't like where this is going. Line blender. <laughs> no, I, and, you know, I think a point, you know, in the past few years, I think you could easily say I've been a Todd McClellan apologist. You know, early this year, I was getting frustrated and going, man, you know, I was on the fire Todd bandwagon a little (laughs) bit at the start of the year. Um, I think one of the reasons I like Todd McClellan so much is there's always a reason for his decision making. Mm -hmm. He... He's thoughtful, and I like that as a coach, and, and I feel like he's a good communicator. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he has kind of called out Kopitar and Kempe and Ayafalo for their lack of production in the press. Mm-hmm. He's done it in a very gentle way, but, you know, when you see Kopitar throwing stuff uh, after a shorthanded breakaway doesn't go in the net, you know, you wonder, okay, is he, you know... Do you need to be hard on him? Because <laughs> he obviously cares right now. And that's what you want from Kopitar. And, man, I... I don't know. I mean, as we head into the trade deadline, I sincerely don't know what the Kings need to do or if they need to do anything. You know, it, maybe it just doesn't feel like this is the right time for the big trade or the big shakeup. Yeah. Um, and as Sarah said, maybe the summer is when you start looking at saying goodbye to some of your favorite and top prospects. But it mm-hmm. doesn't feel like they need to rush out and get their their one, you know, kind of like mm-hmm. what teams are doing to kind of shore themselves up for the playoffs. I think this is the season where they say, maybe we start making moves towards that um, because Mm -hmm. I don't think they were expecting to be where they are at this point in time. Uh, Certainly not second in the Pacific, even though the Pacific is really bad, but they're still on pace for 90-something points. So Mm -hmm. that's not bad. and, And one of the years that they missed the playoffs... I think they had like 98 points and Calgary had like 99 points. It was one of those absurd things. So you never quite know exactly how things are going to shake out in the NHL. And if they Mm -hmm. manage to finish with 94, 95 points, I think that's more than anybody was expecting um, Mm -hmm. three years into the rebuild, especially when things looked so dire like two years ago. Mm -hmm. No, and you know, we talked about, you know, last year they should have been in contention for the playoffs and they weren't. And, you know, according to the plan. But, yeah, they feel like they, you know, this is a good spot for them. Uh, there is a fun sort of cannibalism, you know, for that third seed in the Pacific between Edmonton and uh, Vegas. Vegas. And then maybe even Vancouver jumps up in there. That that's what I'm rooting for. Just give me chaos, please. <laughs> um, make make Vegas regret trading all their picks. And then, you know, who knows what happens with Dallas, uh, Nashville. You know, those guys seem like pretty good wild card teams. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, it could be real fun to see Vegas versus L.A. in the first round. Of the playoffs, oh, and then God. it's a rematch of Deneau and Mark Stone. <laughs> yeah, but I I don't know if Mark Stone's out for the season, but I don't think his back is going to oh, hold up in the playoffs. Oh, he'll be back for the playoffs. Don't you worry. No, I know he'll be back. I just don't. Mark Nikita Kucherov Stone. Yes. <laughs> 
not if Vegas manages to fail out of the playoffs. I don't think that oh. Vegas was expecting to be this bad coming down the home stretch. Yeah, I mean, they're a team that's also suffered, you know, from injuries. Um, I think they have like seven guys on LTIR right now. Something like that. Let's six guys on LTIR at the moment. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, they're missing, you know, our our very good golden boy Alec Martinez, Jake Bischoff, who's a good, you know, left-handed defenseman, Robin Leonard, Riley Smith, Braden McNabb, Mark Stone, all injured right now. Yeah. Their their IR list could match LA's for like what the hell happened? The, the the only difference is that LA's rash of injuries came all at once, whereas Vegas's were a little bit more spread out over time. But losing Leonard is a huge blow. Yeah, and, and the goalie situation already was tenuous. Yeah. So, I mean, right now you have uh, Laurent Bossois as your number one goalie with Logan Thompson as the number two. Who's Logan Thompson? Exactly. <laughs> No offense to Mr. Thompson, but who? And yeah. then, you know, Mike Amadio is a regular in their lineup Sorry. with the way things have gone this year. Um, hey, he scored the other yeah. night. Yeah, he did. I mean, he's got uh, 11 points in 36 games. That which tracks. is, yeah, what you would expect from Mike Amadio. Yeah. Um, good defensively. That's um, not it. Yeah, I mean, and again, I always liked Mike Amadio as a king. I, I wish him nothing but the best. Um, but as I continuously update Twitter while I'm talking to you, no trade news is broken. Um, and Darren Drager is, like, tweeting out screenshots of typos. So we know there is no <laughs> trades about to happen at the moment. <laughs> How bored uh, do you have to be to tweet out screenshots of typos? Yeah. Um. <laughs> All right. So let's bring it back home to the Kings. Okay. If they could make one trade, would you prefer? Mm -hmm. So the rumor has it that they're looking for middle six guys. I would still like to see someone who is a little bit more consistent at scoring. But who do you go for? I mean, if you want consistency with finishing, you do not want Jake DeBrusque. <laughs> um, I know I was I mean, on, look, like, the Jake DeBrusque trade for Jake DeBrusque wagon earlier, but he's very streaky, just like Ardvitson, just like everybody on this team. Yeah, I mean... But it's kind of the nature of the sport. Everyone's streaky. Yeah, no, oh, absolutely, like, but, like, I'm looking at it of, like, what kind of winger do I want playing with Quentin Byfield for the rest of the year? I think ooh. that's my approach to it right now, because you're not breaking up that second line. Um, yeah, but I'd kind of like to see the kids' line stay together. Just, I, they're a little bit chaotic, they're a little messy in their own zone, but, God, are they fun to watch in the offensive zone. Yeah, and uh, that's the thing, is, like, I'm seeing... Filardi make harder plays than he made previously. Like, he is going in and, and initiating contact on the boards. He's winning puck battles. Um, he's following up on passes. Um, things yeah. that I don't know if I saw before. Um, you know, I would... He's less hesitant. He's more yes. active. He activates more, more in the offensive yes. zone. Absolutely. Um, I would love to see him with Martin Furk because I think Ooh. Martin Furk is his security blanket. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but, but you know, then you, you'd ask Grunstrom to play his off wing and move Kapari down to the fourth line, and I don't know if Kapari's a fourth liner. Yeah, um, but, I mean, if you have Kapari in your, four, in your bottom six on your fourth line, again, a very good young forward with a lot of raw talent. Is that really so bad? Although we're getting yeah. kind of into Toronto territory here, and I'm a little scared. <laughs> like, you look at Toronto's roster, and they're so good on paper. And then, and I know it's it's you can't really take the internet too seriously when it comes to the Leafs, but they're they're just there's some kind of a curse that's following them around that that team. The curse of the goaltenders, <laughs> and, and 
it does not help that Jake Muzzin is unfortunately out with another concussion, oh, which is, is scary. Um, and obviously you want, you know, you want him to be feeling better. I, I don't know if there's anyone, any kind of a middle six player I see that I, that I'm really in love with. But I mean, it doesn't have to be a middle six player. I mean, and I'm, I'm just asking in general, who would you or what what kind of move would you like to see them make? If things I mean, kind of go there, left-handed defenseman. <laughs> um, you know, we're, we. You want Dermot? You know, like, is that your kind of ideal trade? If I had to choose, okay, assuming everyone's healthy as we go into the playoffs, so we're looking at Anderson, Edler and Bjornfoot on the left side. If I have a choice between my seventh defenseman being Travis Dermott or Ole Mata, <laughs> I'm going to say Travis Dermott, please. Well, I mean, Ole Mata was never expected to be in the role that I mean, he is. Now, and don't I'd... get me wrong. Playoff Ole Mata is a different player entirely. <sighs> but I don't know if I I've feel... seen playoff Ole Mata. Yeah, no, no one has seen him since Pittsburgh. Um, <laughs> so how can we be sure that he's going to show up? Yeah, exactly. So I, I just, I don't know. I, I, you know, I don't, it's hard because there are a lot of teams who are kind of like, eh, you know, are we in the playoffs? Are we not? I think we just need to stand pat and see what happens. You know, I don't see anyone on, you know, Seattle's roster who I'm looking at my chops going, oh yeah, <laughs> give me Mark Giordano for, you know, 15 games. Let's go. You know, um, apparently the Kings were kind of kicking the tires on Yarn Croak, but I was like, given, like, he's fine. I just don't think yeah. he's worth a second. I think it was a little bit too steep for LA to pay that at this at this stage that they're at for Yarn Croak. Yeah, yeah, and, and, you know, Winnipeg is another team where it's just like, man, <laughs> they are not where they want to be, but they're not far off from making the playoffs maybe either. You know, I mean, how great would it be to get Kyle Connor, who all he does is score goals? Oh, um, Kyle Connor would be fun. Oh, it, it would be great. I don't. Uh, I mean, I don't it, see it seems like the only player available out of Columbus would be Max Domi. Oh no, I don't. No. Yeah, exactly. You know, we already have Lemieux. We don't need Domi. I don't see anyone on the Islanders who I'm just like, oh yeah, they, they'll definitely trade that guy to us. Um, to make us better offensively. Same with San Jose, Detroit. I mean, Chicago is the only one where you're just like, eh, okay, maybe. No. Maybe. There's there's no one in New Jersey who I, who I really want. I had seen on Twitter someone had mentioned Dominic Kubalik, who already was very adamant he never wanted to be a king. <laughs> yeah. He you know. hated L.A. That was fine. Yeah. They, they didn't really um, like him that much either, to be honest. Yeah, and, and you know, okay, do the Kings trade for someone like Alex DeBrincat, who can certainly score a lot? Um, I think he would probably cost too much, but if they could make it happen, that would be fun. Yeah, I'm, I mean, sure. You know, there, there's Brandon Hagel. Eh. Um, I saw who, um, Kulak. Kulak is the latest rumor, apparently. Although somebody oh. else told me that, and I, was, I couldn't find anything to substantiate that, so I don't know. Yeah, it, you know, some people have mentioned Travis Konechny from Philadelphia, who to me just seems like a Dean Lombardi player. Um, we don't really need him right now. I don't know. I, so I guess the answer really that we're looking at is for now, stand pat, see what shakes out over the summer after the Stanley Cup and everything has just kind of calmed down. I think yes, it's probably and, their best yes, option and, anyway. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, the Kings have plenty of prospects who they could move. If they wanted to move a Kupari, if they wanted to move a Pinelli, even. Oh. You know, someone like that. Someone who is intriguing to another team. Um, they'd yeah. be fine to do that um, over the summer. I don't think you need to rush into anything right now to, you know, trade for an Andrew Kopp from Winnipeg. Yeah. You know, I've always had a really soft spot for Kapari. I just find him very charming, and I love his potential. So I'm like, no, don't trade Kapari. Like, I feel like 
trading Gabe Velarde would, at least for me, would be better. But, I mean, Sarah's right that eventually we're going to have to say goodbye to the prospects that we love. Not all of them, of course, because we still need them for our team. But we're going to have to part with some popular players. and It's going to suck because they're all going to come back and score a hat trick against L.A. You know, we 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 moved on from Patrick O'Sullivan for Justin Williams. I know, but I, eventually someone's going to have to be our POS trade. And I just I don't know who that's going to be. I'm kind of hoping it's Velarde because I really like Kapari, and I feel like Kapari has been a little bit more stable than Velarde, but who knows? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't know, man. Maybe... You know, I was thinking I too. Who's going to be Brandon Brandenburg staying pat at the trade deadline mm-hmm. with Pittsburgh? That that is not his mo, you know. But I don't know if he wants to move anybody. Yeah, I don't know if anyone the Kings need. Well, I'll be interested to see because Rob Blake was here in 2014 when they made the Marion Gabrick trade. Blake has been around the team for a few years, and he's kind of seen some of the trades that Dean Lombardi made, and he studied closely under Lombardi's tutelage. I mm-hmm. hope he doesn't make the same mistakes that Dean Lombardi made, but, I mean, they're, of course, his mistakes to make. But um, I'll be interested to see who Blake thinks is going to be our next Marianne Gabrick. He wasn't in the front office when the Kings traded for Jeff Carter, but I think being under... Dean Lombardi for two seasons you know I think that kind of will help him make decisions on how to build a roster I think he's done a pretty good job so far with the picks that he's made you know and obviously you know Ron Hextall was an assistant to the GM you know after he was fired from Philly before he took the job in Pittsburgh a part of me wonders if Mark Bergevin is in that role now just to basically say, like, hey, Mark, what would you do? And then Ugh. you just do the exact opposite. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Dean Lombardi's a special assistant to Chuck Fletcher. <laughs> oh, I forgot about Mark Bergevin. How dare you? How dare you, Bergevin? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, with that, um, before you hate me anymore, we should wrap this up. Yes, I was just going to say that. <laughs> Thank you so much, listeners. Please uh, feel free to rate and subscribe to Crown Conversations. And and troll until... James on Twitter. Please troll me on Twitter, uh, <laughs> at Ulysses Jim. Um, tweet me pictures of pastrami sandwiches, if you could. I'd appreciate it. It's so rare. Uh, I like pastrami. It's delicious. It's tangy. It's meaty. Don't be mean to me. Why not? Okay, fair enough. Uh, I'm James. That is Robin P. Thank you so much, and go Kings go.